Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you today and we just thank you as we've lifted our voices, Lord, as we've just focused in on the fact, Lord, that you are risen, that the grave is empty this morning and that we have so much to be thankful for, so much to celebrate. God, we thank you that also you are here, you are present in our midst by your Holy Spirit. Again, Lord, as the the winter months have now started to give way and we sense spring is is coming, Lord God, and even the, the sense of new life as we see the flowers and the buds on the trees, Lord God. And God, what a beautiful image, Lord, to, to come into the, the service this morning to think about new life and to think about the life, Lord, that you've given us through your death and resurrection. And so, God, we are just grateful, Lord, to be able to, again, gather in this place to, to worship you in one accord. And so, God, I pray that you will continue, Lord, to move by your spirit in this service, through the message today. And God, meet everyone right where they are this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You can clap, let's clap, that's good. <laughs> Amen. You can be seated. We have much to be, again, grateful for today, so clapping is encouraged. Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you today. You guys are looking really sharp, really good. Some of you better than others, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you guys look great. I just want to welcome everybody also watching online and uh, Say so we got a pretty full house this morning, so it's always exciting uh, to be gathered together. What a great, what a great Easter, right? I mean, already I don't know about you, it's just been a great day. It's so nice when you get good weather on Easter. You know, nice, just kind of puts you in the mood, and you feel like there's life, for sure, after the long winter months. But you know, to be gathered together today is is so uh, significant, and that the fact that we have we have joined together this morning and. You know, this comes around every year, uh, Easter does, and we celebrate it every year. But, you know, one thing I, I think oftentimes, at least for myself, I'm always kind of looking at, you know, what I do between Easter's, I guess you would. You know, I know we have Easter and we have Christmas, but, you know, how we live our lives and, and, and the way that we live our lives, is it re a good reflection? Are, are we reflecting the fact and showing the world around us that we uh, have a risen Savior, that we have been saved from, from, again, and given eternal life that we didn't deserve. And, you know, oftentimes, again, we've said it today, you know, as Christians, we, we say he is risen, and you say he is risen indeed, right? And it's so important. It's so, those three words, you talk about, you know, there probably is not more powerful words than that. That is, that is what the whole Christian faith hinges off of, are those three simple words that he is risen, the grave is empty today, this morning, and that is what makes Christianity significantly different than any other religion on earth, is, again, our God is risen. And, you know, there is, again, great significance to the fact that Jesus, in that moment, defeated death in the grave once and for all. And, you know, I, as I was preparing this message and just thinking about, you know, again, like I said, Easter comes around every year, you know, and as a pastor, you're always like, okay, what's the angle I'm going to take this year? And I just want us to really focus in, because I think, you know, when we look at the world around us, it can be discouraging, can it? Right? Anybody with me? I mean, you look around the world, and you, you okay, so he's, he's come, and he's brought life, eternal life, and, he, and we have all these things, all this, this to be um, 
to be so thankful for and excited for that we've been given eternal life, but yet we've, I feel like we, we're walking you know, through this world and there's death all around us. You know, there's uh, on, on death row, you guys are all like, man, great Easter service, right? Let's talk about death row. <laughs> that was supposed to be Good Friday. Stay with me. It'll get, it'll get brighter. But, you know, on death row, they have a phrase when, when someone's being led to, to you know, whatever, the, the electric chair or to have that injection done. And it's, it's this. It's dead man walking. And what the, what's significant is that that person is, is basically death, their, their death walking, literally, because their life is, is done. And really, in a lot of ways, Jesus, you know, that phrase or something similar might have been said when he was carrying that cross to Calvary. Again, barring a supernatural miracle, his destiny was pretty well set. He knew where that road was leading. And so there was, a, in that sense, again, this idea of a dead man walking. And so I want us to look today, and what I, what I want to do in our time together is, uh, as we go through just some scripture here, is to really look at what the significance is and how uh, of the, the resurrection, but what is, you know, death? Because, again, we see it all around us still, and, and, and all of us in this room someday are going to die, in a sense, in our physical death. And so I just want to kind of look at that, because I think if, as we look at death and how God views death, then we can truly see what life is, right? Sometimes you kind of have to look at the, the opposite to see the, the other side of it. So, again, if you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn to John 11. We're going to be headed there eventually today. And, you know, this morning is all about the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But I want to, you know, again, think about and us to look at this idea, because I don't think that Jesus dying and being raised from the dead and giving us eternal life is not just so that we can hang on in this lifetime for what's in eternity, Right? That they're supposed to be, we're supposed to be walking in life now. We're supposed to be walking in a way that, that because Jesus has saved us and that there should be something significantly different of, from us than the, those in the world. And so how does this resurrection affect us now? And what I want us to do is that we're going to look at a, another scene in John chapter 11 in just a moment. But before we hit that, I just want to kind of go back for a moment to the very beginning in Genesis, and then again, we saw this beautiful scene as, as God created the earth and, and everything in it, and he created, you know, man and, and woman, and he said that everything was good, and he said, Adam and Eve, you know, were very good. He saw this, and it was a beautiful scene. The scene where God, the creator, creator God, would come down and walk with his creation on earth in the cool of the evening, it said. I mean, think about that picture. I mean, think about how beautiful that must have been to have that type of relationship with our Creator. And that's what it was all about. And God bless Adam and Eve. I think there's going to be a long line in heaven with the question of what were you thinking? <laughs> it wasn't chocolate. It wasn't, you know, something. It was fruit or whatever it was, you know. I just kind of wonder, but their, their choice had a very significant effect, didn't it? One thing, you can do anything else, have, you know, have at it, but this one thing don't do. And how, how true is that today still of all of us, isn't it? It's, it's that when we're told that one thing, even for kids, you just tell them, like, okay, you can do anything, but just don't climb on that or don't do this. And what are they, what's the first thing they're going to do? God bless them, at least my kids. 
And so again, they were given these instructions and, and they chose and they chose. And even before they, they ate of the fruit, their choice was sin because it was against their creator. They chose to go against what God had said. And he had done nothing but lay out this beautiful picture and this beautiful scene. And, and this, they have this relationship like, what else could you possibly want? And yet they were enticed. And so they partook of the fruit. And in that moment is when sin and death entered into the world. And, every, and it was all derailed, wasn't it? Everything changed in that moment. And God had told him, he said, if you eat this fruit, you will surely die. And you know what happened when they ate that fruit? Well, Adam lived about 900 plus more years, right? For sure. So what was, what was God talking about in that then? If, if you will surely die, is it like you're going to die eventually 900 years? That might be part of it. But see, the deal is this, is God was talking about something much more significant, you see, when he's referring to death, he's talking about in a spiritual sense. He's talking about in that moment, you're going to experience something that is horrific. And you know what that is? That's separation. It's separation from their creator. In that moment, that relationship was fractured. And so they died spiritually, and they, they, were, they were, again, they were apart from their creator. And again, going back to that term, dead man walking. And the reality is, all across the world today, there are many, many dead men walking. For those who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, who have not experienced that, that, that life, that new eternal life given to them through the work of the cross and the resurrection, it's, it's dead men walking. They're, they're moving, they're walking. They, there's what seems to be life, but it's, death is there. You see, God is always dealing with things from an eternal view. He always sees things from an eternal perspective. And that's what, what he was doing and what he was, again, focusing in on. Now, what I want us to do then is now that we understand kind of how death and sin came into the world, I want us to now fast forward into the Gospels of, into the Gospel specifically of John, where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. And if you're there, and you know, if you're not, again, it's a very familiar scene, and it's 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 the where Lazarus had died. And this this scene has always been uh, very interesting to me, um, because there are some really interesting points in this whole thing. And, you know, for many of us here, I know we know the story. And just to give you kind of a little bit of background before we jump in on verse 17. Again, Jesus was in another town and he receives word that Lazarus is near death and that he should come immediately. And he loved Lazarus deeply, right? And his sisters. And so what, was, what do you think Jesus' response should have been? <laughs> Let's load up the donkey and get moving, Right? Instead, Jesus chooses to stay a few more days. And again, I don't know if you've ever paused to think about this or to ponder that or, you know, to, to, to even, why in the world would you not go, you know, to prevent him from dying? But Jesus, he chooses to hang out. And so then he finally says, all right, let's go. And he arrives on the scene. Now, remember, as we prepare to read this, Jesus knew what the outcome was going to be, right? He approached the scene, and it's, people are crying, and it's, just a, it's a really bad scene. But Jesus knew what the outcome. He knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? 
So keep that in mind as we enter in now in verse 17. So John 11, verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Somebody's not happy, right? <laughs> Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there or been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, again, it's a very interesting phrase here or statement that Jesus makes. And he says, whoever believes in me shall never die. Did Lazarus, is Lazarus still walking the earth today? <laughs> I, I don't know. I have not met him. I don't know about you. He hasn't. He doesn't. And he, he eventually did die. And for those of you who are believers or who have, who have known believers that have gone before us, did they die the physical death? Yes, right? They died. And yet Jesus says again, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And so it's really easy just to read these statements and just to kind of keep cruising. But there's something significant. Obviously, Jesus is talking more than physical death, isn't he? That's what he's pointing towards. That's what he's trying to get at here. It's, it's a spiritual thing. It's, we're going to live spiritually. We come to life. And again, the, the part of us, the, our spirit, is what goes on and lives forever. And so this is what Jesus is talking about, and this is what Jesus is trying to get at. And so it continues now in verse uh, 28. And so he goes on and says, When she, said, uh, she, she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not come, yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And this is the part I want us to really dial in on this morning. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And the reason, again, I want to share this today, I want us to look at this today, is because I want you to see how Jesus 
is in this situation, how he sees death, but also how he sees those who are suffering, those who are mourning the loss of Lazarus. You know, it says that Jesus saw her weeping. Jesus saw her weeping. And today, you know, I think that some of us need to be reminded that Jesus sees you where you're at today. Jesus sees us in whatever struggle it is we're going through. Jesus has not forgotten you and he's not left you or abandoned you, but he sees the pain that you're dealing with. And that's, you know, what's hard about this, this life, this, this road on, 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 that we're on on earth. It's difficult and it, it's, it's, there's, it's full of pain at times, isn't it? We go through valleys. We do have mountaintops, but as you know, on every other, the other side of every mountain is another valley, right? And so, you know, just to be reminded that Jesus sees you today. Jesus sees you this morning. And, and you know, as he sees, again, he sees this scene. He sees those that are hurting deeply for the loss of their brother. It says that he's deeply moved. Now, it depends what translation you read, but it sounds very like, wow, he was really moved. But do you know what that translates to? He was angry. He was angry. Now, Jesus, and it shows us something here. There is a type of anger that we can have that is right, because we know Jesus never sinned, right? He never sinned. And so it means he was, he was upset. And so why would he be upset when he sees people crying, when he sees this scene? You know, that is the question again. What we need to ask ourselves, why is he angry? Is he angry at Mary <laughs> for not coming out? Or, you know, is he angry at some of the people? I don't think so. You see, again, Jesus, what he's looking at is he's looking at the effects of death and what it has and how it's impacting the people whom he, whom he cared about. And so what he's angry at is death. He's angry at the fact that death comes in and it steals and it takes away everything and it kills. And we still, again, see that ever present today. We see death moving. And again, it's not just the physical, physical death. That's, that's part of it. But it's just, again, this whole idea of dead men walking. We see death and its result and its effects and, and the pain of sin as well. And sin and death go together. And so, again, Jesus is, 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 is angry. The only time you see this term used is when he goes into the temple and makes the whip and cleanses the temple and, you know, casts everybody out. That's the only other time you see him in this state, at least in Scripture, and so we see it's, it's significant, you know, he's angry, he's mad at death. And then we also see on the flip side, again, a very short, short verse in the Bible. <laughs> and if, if you ever were in Sunday school and had to learn your 10 verses, this was always on the list. <laughs> John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Okay, mark that one off, right? Jesus wept. Just let that sit there for a second. He knows, he knows what he's about to do. He knows he's about to bring Lazarus back to life and everything's going to be fine, right? It's going to be a big celebration. But again, as he sees the effect that death has had, he's angry at death, and then he's also part of that anger is because he sees what it's doing to the people that he cares about so deeply. 
He sees the pain that they're in, the pain that they're going through. And so he weeps. Two words, and again, it's such a profound statement to think that, that again, the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, walking the earth, and he's weeping for these people that he cares about. And if you remember, as Jesus walked the earth, he said this, he said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And you want to know the Father's heart this morning, is, 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 it's right there in that moment. He hates death, and he, he, he's compassionate about people. He loves people, his creation. Go back to that scene in the garden where we started, where he walked in the cool of the evening with his creation. It was beautiful. And so this is what, again, the driver was behind the plan for Jesus to come and to eventually die on the cross and to be risen on the third day. And as we know, after this, all this happens, Jesus does follow through with his plan, and Lazarus is raised from the dead. After four days, they didn't embalm or anything back then. It was not, did not smell good. It did not look good. But that just shows you the power, again, that, that Jesus walked in. And so Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and, and again, you know, this is, there's a great celebration, and, and he shows and demonstrates to, to the many Jews that were there, they saw it firsthand, this, this miracle. You know, he'd raised other people from the dead, but oftentimes it was a very private setting. This was very public, and it even says how some went back and told the, the Pharisees about what happened, and that's kind of what dialed up everything really against him. But it's an amazing account, for sure. And, you know, again, as we said earlier, is Lazarus still here on earth today? No, he's, he's not. He was risen from the dead. I don't know, like, for, I don't know about you, but I would almost rather just go once, you know? Like, if I'm gone, let me just ride off into the sunset. Don't bring me back to have to go again. So I don't know, you know, how long he lasted after that. But, um, but again, he, it was not the eternal life. It was not that kind of uh, resurrection because Jesus was that going to be that one, that resurrection that was coming. So Jesus said, again, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Again, Jesus is getting to this, this point. You know, he, resurrection and life is in him. It was through him. And he's making that statement very clear. And as he said, he, he, he will never die. You know, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives, in, lives and believes in me shall never die. And so, again, coming back to that thought and to that picture of we're looking at the spiritual person here and eternal life that comes. Jesus was talking about spiritual life, and again, he was coming at it from an eternal perspective. Again, I think today, as a culture, as a, as a society, probably more than ever, even more than back when, when this was all written, you know, we are so material in our, in our thoughts, aren't we? We think just with what we see here, right? That's really where we, 
we live. I mean, and, and again, in one sense, you have to. You know, we, 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 we are in a body. We live on earth. We're here together. <laughs> um, and so you have to be engaged in the, in the physical realm. But God has called us to, to so much more than that, to just to not be caught up in just, again, with what we can get. You know, what is it? Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can, right? You guys not heard that before? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Stick around. There's a lot of, lot of great phrases that will probably come out of me. Uh, but that's our culture, right? It's our society. That's, if you're not careful, that's what we focus on because, again, that's, that's what we see all around us. And it's, you know, we, we live in a, in, a, in a place and in a time where, where stuff just is, is, we have a lot of it. And so, you know, I, I, I just want us this morning to really come back to that sense. And, and as God has said and as he laid out, that, that it's, there's so much more than that. God has called us to so much more than to have this stuff. <laughs> he wants us to, to, to have eternal life and to walk with him. You see, I think there's a, there's a, a misunderstanding when, when we come to Christ and, 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 and we're saved. You know, we used to have um, in the hymns back, there were hymns, at least in my vein of, of Christianity, uh, where they call them like escape songs. <laughs> Have you heard of those before? Like I'll Fly Away, you know that song, right? And again, it's fun and it's okay. It's, it's not nothing like wrong in and of itself, but it's really like all of the good is going to come on the other side, right? Which, again, life is going to be much better, I promise. But I think if we're not careful, we think that it's here while we're here now. It's just it's, we go into hunker down mode and just try to survive until we can make it into eternity. But that's not, that's not what, what is, is laid out in Scripture. You see, God offers those who believe in him an amazing life now. And that's in the same Gospel of John, John chapter 9, or sorry, chapter 10, verses 9 through 11, he says that I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen to this. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, it's, it's, it's talking about our life now. And, you know, this idea of having life abundantly. And that's some of the veins of Christianity have gone too much to the extreme where they've taken that abundance to be stuff of this earth that you can't take with you. And what is being talked about here is really the sense of spiritual abundance, not just material things. In fact, God is not overly concerned with the physical circumstances of our lives. He sees us, he, he, he's using those things to shape and to mold us. But again, he sees it, the, again, from that eternal perspective. This life is but a, a moment, right? It's but a breath, it's a vapor, is what we're told. And so whatever it is we're doing now or whatever it is we're experiencing now, know that it is temporary. It is not forever by any means. And God is using those things to shape and to mold us to become more like him, to become more like Christ. This Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, you know, we've gathered this morning again to focus 
in on the fact that, that Jesus is no longer in the grave, that he is risen. He's risen. <laughs> Good, thank you. Four, you got it. <laughs> I gave you a chance. He's risen. He's risen indeed. And that's so critical and it's so important because, again, when we walk around, when we leave this place after today, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm probably supposed to preach a, a much lighter, happier message on Resurrection Sunday. I just, I, I am challenged at times, and, and I hope that you are too, just that, am I living my life? We say it, we say it easy. We say that he is risen. We say he's Lord and Savior. We say all these things. But again, Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, came to die for you and for me so that we can have eternal life, so that we can have life indeed. Do we live out our days on this earth representative of that, showing that to the people around us? Just think about that for a second. Are we living our lives in such a way that the people around us look at us and say, you have something that I don't have. <laughs> I don't know what it is exactly, but there's something about you that, that is, is special, that there's something there that, that I, I, I don't have. And so I think, you know, for us, it's, it's, it's so critical and so important to continually come back to this thought, not just on Easter every year, you know, and to celebrate, but we should be celebrating every day of our lives the fact that Jesus is risen. Every day should be a celebration. And I'm not saying, you know, again, we go through hard times, don't get me wrong, but it's what is the attitude of our heart? Are we, are we always, while, even while going through the difficult seasons or the difficult times, are our eyes on the fact that, our eyes on Jesus, are our eyes on the fact that, you know, he's, he's bringing us home. He's going to be with us as he promises to never leave us or forsake us. And that's what I want to challenge us with this morning. As we prepare to, to wrap up this morning, I want to just, again, look at this, this one more verse here and in, in, in also in the Gospel of John. And this is, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's simple, but it's, it's beautiful. And it says this in, in John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life. So, and this is eternal life right here. This is it. That they know you, and they, this is Jesus speaking, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is what eternal life is. That is, that is the ball game, if you will. It's to know, to know who God is. And doesn't that really echo back to the very beginning where we started in Genesis this morning with, with the way that, that Adam and Eve, they walked with God, right? Relationship with God. The whole point of the cross. And when Jesus died, as you know, again, you're probably familiar with, but again, the veil in the temp temple, do you remember that? How it was rent from top to bottom. What was the significance of that? That veil was what kept the holy of holies. That was where God's presence was, where God himself sat, his presence. 
And, and not just anybody could go in there, only the high priest could. But again, the significance was that was ripped and not from top to bottom, not bottom to top, signifying that it was God was the one that was doing it. But it opened up the Holy of Holies so that then we could now go into the presence of God. That we can walk in communion and, and in relationship with our Creator once again. That's the whole intention. That's the whole point. <laughs> and so, you know, again, I want to ask us today, is, is that where we are? That, that if we know God, that, that, that is what eternal life is, that it is knowing God and walking with him and knowing Christ. That should be enough. And I want to challenge us today, church, that is, is it enough for you? You know, I think it's a song, right? It's, you can take the world, but give me Jesus, right? Would Jesus be enough for you today and for me? If that was it, take everything else. As long as I have Jesus, as long as I have my Savior in that relationship, that is enough for me. And so today we celebrate. We celebrate the risen Savior. We celebrate the fact that the grave is empty but beyond that, I want us to be able to celebrate the effects of that amazing thing that happened with our lives and the way that we live them out. Would you bow your heads? I know there are many people from many different places in this room today. And today I just want to just take a moment and make sure that we pause and to make room for what God might want to do. I realize there are people, again, here in this place that may not know this eternal life that I'm talking about. Maybe you know somebody that is a Christian, that is a believer, but you have yet to, to, to place your faith in Jesus. To place your faith in the fact that he was sent by God the Father to earth and that he died on the cross and on the third day he rose again. We talk about new life today and dead men walking and, and what the significance of again coming back, coming to life in life eternal. And the question I want to present today is, is if that's you, what's, what's stopping you? What's holding you back from making that choice, that decision today, to allow Jesus into your life, to not just be your Savior, but also to be your Lord, to trust him, to surrender to his will for your life, and to think about where that may lead you. If that's you and you're in this place today, I just, I want to ask you just to raise your hand very briefly, just so I can pray for you. We're not going to pause long here. If there's anybody in here that wants to make that commitment today. Okay. See the hand? Anyone else? Also, if you're watching online, this is for you as well. You can make that decision right where you're at. And if you're in this place today, I just also want to, and you know the Lord is, 
as your Savior. I just want to encourage you on this, this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, to, to renew that commitment that, that you will live your life in such a way that it's evident <laughs> that your Savior is no longer in the grave, that you would walk through this life in such a way that people would see life in you something different. And if you've slipped maybe today and you, you've drifted a little bit away from God, let today be the day that, that you just make that recommitment to Him and, and to your walk with Him. Father God, we again thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that we can celebrate and Lord, sing joyously of our risen King. Lord, we love Christmas and we love the fact that we get to celebrate the, the fact that you came to earth as a baby and we, we love that time of year and we, we do celebrate, but Lord, this is our big day right here <laughs> because this is when you kicked the devil's face in once and for all. You looked straight at death and you defeated it. God, we see that as you, you, you were on that scene with Lazarus and you demonstrated your power to bring him back to life in that moment, Lord God, we see the completion and, and, and even the greater feat, Lord God, as you had the final victory over death in the grave when you laid yourself into that tomb and you were risen on the third day by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God, we thank you that we do not serve a weak and timid God or a God that is powerless or a God that is simply in a, a statue on a shelf, but we serve a living, a living and risen Savior. God, we thank you that, that we have much to celebrate, that we have much to be thankful for. And so God, we want to praise you today. God, I pray that every time we gather and we, we sing songs and we lift our voices to you, that it's done from that place of seeing you as the risen King. God, let us, what we sing come from our hearts and as a response, Lord, to who you are and what you've done. So God, we thank you. God, I thank you for this time today just to, to again, dial in on you, to, to focus on you and to focus in on what you have for us. God, I pray that lives have been changed by your word. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name, amen.